Hello again, and welcome to the latest episode of the Cloud Database Report podcast, where we discuss the exploding world of big data and the platforms and services that companies are using to manage terabytes, petabytes, and even exabytes of data in the cloud. I'm John Foley, editor of the Cloud Database Report, and thank you for joining me. On this podcast, we catch up with Single Store, a database company that was originally known as MemSQL. CEO Raj Verma joined MemSQL in 2019 and subsequently rebranded it as Single Store with a focus on managing both analytics and operational workloads on a unified database platform. In this podcast, I talk with Raj about where Single Store fits in the rapidly emerging cloud database market and what's next for the company. Now onto the conversation. My guest today is Raj Verma, the CEO of Single Store, a database company that is emerging as a primary player in the market with its multi-model SQL database. I should note that earlier this year, I added Single Store to the Cloud Database Reports list of top 20 cloud database providers. Raj, welcome to the podcast. It's great to talk to you again. John, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. Um, thank you for um, inviting me. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Hey, you and I spoke a few months ago, and I know that a lot has been happening um, over the past few months, and I want to kind of dig into, into that. But maybe we should kind of start uh, at the beginning for you anyway. Um, shortly after you joined Single Store, there was a rebranding of the company. And I wanted to just, um, you know, the, the name Single Store, uh, uh, you know, the company changed its name to Single Store, which I think really kind of sums up what the platform is all about, right? A single unified database for transactions and analytics. So maybe we start there and Raj, you could just um, talk a little bit about how things are going uh, in terms of your strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, John, I don't, firstly, before I go any further, do you like the name Single Store? I do. Um, <laughs> you know, you and I talked about this. Now, you don't really use the term uh, so much universal database, but uh, as you and I discussed, you know, 20 years ago, that was um, a concept that um, had been around, um, and I think you're you're taking a, a fresh approach to this. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it was, uh, you know, it's a very interesting exercise when you rebrand a company. It was uh, candidly my first, and um, it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, so you don't do it for uh, just uh, on a whim and a fancy. So it was something which was, you know, deeply thought through. Um, you know, there are there there was one school of thought which said, hey. When companies which have terrible names, uh, like even Google doesn't have the greatest name possible, but is one of the you know greatest brands in the world. So you know, do you out-execute a bad name? Um, and and the thought process here, John, was the name that we had previously, MemSQL, was uh, a name which I actually, frankly, did not mind. I thought it was a nice nerdy name. And uh, my, my kids loved the name, uh, though the youngest one couldn't pronounce it, which was, again, one of the problems. Was it MemSQL, MemSQL, what was it? But I think more importantly, in this crowded database market, John, 
when we said we were MemSQL, we were basically putting ourselves into a box because we were telling our customers that we are in memory and SQL. Now, SQL aspect of it, we are very proud of, but the fact that we had you know, moved on almost five years before the name change into a lot more than in memory. I mean, that's what I said at the time of the rebranding, and it's actually more accentuated now, that if we were only an in-memory database, we probably would be less than 5% of our size, all right? So most of our, most of our uh, customers use us for so much more than the in-memory capability. Now, we are very proud of our heritage of in-memory. We feel that uh, ultra-fast will win in the future, especially in the modern applications which require real-time. So we aren't hiding from that at all. In fact, very proud of it. However, uh, we feel that the convergence of workloads and technologies in the future would have a store, a single place where candidly majority of your workloads could reside and prosper. There'd always be edge cases, John, right? And, uh, and we do not see a world where a global, um, you know, 500 company or Fortune 500 company could have all its data into one single database. However, at the same point in time, I don't think you require 100 different databases to run your business, right? We do feel that uh, enterprises will spend 95% of their database dollars on probably three databases in the future. And we want to be one of them. And that's really our aspiration. Uh, it also was, um, you know, sort of, steeped in our mission. And our mission is very simple. It is to unify and simplify modern data. And uh, if that is our mission, then single store as a name speaks uh, pretty well uh, to, to that mission and that purpose. Raj, yeah, that's a great place to start. I mean, you, you, touched, on, you touched on a number of points that I do want to talk to you about you know, there's kind of the architectural aspect of it, also the performance, the speed. Um, and um, so we'll get into that, but I want to start at a higher level because, uh, you know, you and I both go back uh, 20 plus years in the world of data. And um, you talk about the third era of the database industry or database 3.0. 3 um, I think we both go back to database 1.0. Uh, so maybe uh, you could talk a, a little bit about this idea of database 3.0 and how it's different than than the earlier uh, the earlier generations. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, when when you go back, uh, you know, at least I started my career in the 90s. You know, I feel uh, pretty uh, yeah old when I say that. However, you know, interesting times, and uh, we really saw the entire sort of change in the landscape of, um, of data. And I think where it uh, was a lot more appealing to me was I am a computer science engineer. And um, in fact, if I, hadn't, uh, if I had enough money and not broke, I probably would have done my you know, doctorate in, um, in artificial intelligence, which was all about storage and compute. So I was always very well uh, versed with the data and the compute um, back then and continue to be now. Now, uh, the first set of databases, as you remember, I mean, I, I used to be a sales rep for Citibank in Asia, 
and I would go meet with their CIO and ask them the question, what database do you have? And at that time they had DB2. And they said, hey, by the way, we also have a little bit of Informix because of an acquisition that we made. However, there were two databases because the data sets were very well understood, right? And, um, and that was fine. You know, again, when you went and asked a question of a CIO and said, what database do you use? You were expecting a singular answer, right? And uh, now if you go back to, you know, a city bank, I'm just saying, um, they have probably 87 different databases. So it's not as if they gave up retail banking or banking as such and said, let's just collect databases for the next decade or so. It was just that the tsunami of data that hit banks like City or anyone else in the 20, I'm uh, sorry, yeah, 20, uh, sorry, 2008, 2009 timeframe with the advent of the smartphone and social media, et cetera, and the internet getting faster was just, you know, the volume, variety, and velocity of data just inundated enterprise organizations. And um, they essentially could not, you know, break, um, be, be uh, just get off Oracle or Informix. They had to work with it. However, they attached swim lane databases, as I tend to call them, one for documents, so Mongo or Couchbase and Datastacks. NoSQL for speed and HADR, you know, uh, OLAP for analytics and what have you. And before you know it, to solve the complexity of modern data, they created yet another complexity of multiple databases. And if you have an application where you use 10 databases to build that application, you're going to have N squared minus one points of failure, right? So that is uh, 99 points of failure because data is going from one database to the other. There's a lot of data movement. Bad things happen when data moves, right? So there is a lot of risk in these applications. And typically when data goes from one database to the other, it just adds a ton of latency, which is not what a modern application needs. So what we feel is the future will belong to a database that can combine a vast majority of workloads in a hybrid multi-cloud environment. And we feel the functionality of that database, whether it's us or anyone else, is going to be what I call frictionless and ultra fast. So you can get started immediately and it's ultra fast because the internet is getting faster. The applications need to get faster. We believe that um, the future will belong to distributed SQL, right? And where you can add compute capacity to you know, make it go faster. We believe that it's going to be uh, multi hybrid multi-cloud, right? And uh, I think real-time applications uh, will matter, right? And the database will be multi-model and not a one-trick pony. Now, um, those are, that's what we are betting the future on. And that's what we are hearing from our customers because it's just um, it just makes too much sense for it not to actually work. Of course, you know, speciality databases will uh, will say otherwise. Uh, we shall see. <laughs> yeah, well, I I I, I want to come back to this idea of special purpose versus all purpose database um, approach, um, and the related discussion of database sprawl. But before we get there, let's just talk a little bit about data. 
Um, because uh, at Single Store, you know, the last time you and I talked, you talked about the personality of data. Um, we also, uh, your, uh, Single Store also talks about uh, data intensivity or data intensive applications. And you already mentioned the three V's, right? Volume, velocity, and variety. So we, we have a lot going on here with data and data types. Um, and so how does single store help with this? Yeah, uh, multiple ways. So yes, data intensive applications are something that, um, you know, the world is seeing right now. The, you know, there are so many acronyms right now, John, that I like to probably clarify what a data intensive app really is. What are the characteristics of it? Naturally large data sets, a lot of data ingest, right? Uh, quick changing data, uh, quick refreshes, um, uh, you know, naturally scale because of volume of data and also a lot of concurrency requirements, a lot of users accessing that data uh, at once. Uh, and, and by the way, concurrency and query speeds are related because if the query speed is high, then naturally the concurrency would be low. They're just inversely proportional. Now that's what we call data intensive applications. And a vast majority, if not 100% of what we call modern applications, which uh, are can't wait or won't wait analytics, uh, require that functionality. And that's what we call data intensive application. Now, just, I mean, if we were to logically go through this, if there is a lot of variety, and as we like to call it, and you reminded us again, the personality of data is ever evolving, all right? Now, um, you know, when we thought that everything was all sorted, then TikTok just hit us. And the amount of data that that is generating is, again, huge. So there's a constant evolution of the personality of data. And that just, you know, just advocates the point that we have been making that a multi-model database is what would be required to go forward. Look, Mongo has done exceptionally well and, uh, you know, have deep respect for the way that they have executed. The gospel that they preach is if you manage your documents, you manage your data. We just respectfully disagree with that gospel. We actually feel that documents are one data type and data has a lot more personality than just documents. So I do think that multi-model is here to stay. Um, the other is the data is only going in one direction, which is up. And uh, just to be able to store data in the most economical location and be able to stage data as to hot, warm, cold, right? And find appropriate data residence for it will require a separation of storage and compute, which again is something that we have. And that is a tenet um, you know, going forward for, for us and for the database of the future. And um, increasingly speed of response because, you know, you would hear and be here all the time about this concept of a digital bank, right? So, um, and remind me if I didn't tell you that story and I'll stop, but, you know, speaking to a CEO of a very, very large bank and he said, look, I've been doing this for 30 years and never did I think in retail banking we would say that in five years, we won't really have client relationship managers because they were the soul of banking, you know, back in the day. Uh, you know, Raj, be prepared to speak to bots, 
because that is really how you would be banking. And if not you, your kids for sure would be banking through bots. And naturally that digital bank ultimately is analytics, all right, which sits on top of data. And if data is federated in multiple location, your an analysis is going to have high latency, right? If it's high latency, then your customer response times would be high, which is not going to lead to better customer satisfaction. So I do think the speed of analytics, you know, John, data has gravity. Uh, analytics goes where data resides, right? And uh, in, in uh, you know, in analysis or analytics, fast will always prevail over the other alternative. And that's what we are really betting our future on, um, you know, meeting the customer where they are and then taking them to where they want to go, which is the entire explanation for our hybrid model, um, is speed, multi-model, distributed SQL, and more importantly, the developer experience of being frictionless where you can get logged in in five seconds and get a win in five minutes um, is uh, the direction that we are taking and we are absolutely committed to. Well, and you know, um, I, I think you, you, you might agree with me that more businesses are increasingly becoming real-time businesses. Um, and you know, uh, you and I talked last time about the service economy and uh, how that kind of drives uh, both uh, data transparency, but also speed, right? Um, so I, I guess I would agree with you um, that this idea of data in, in intensivity isn't just growing data volumes, but it's also you know those uh, real-time analytics um, that kind of go hand in hand with that. Absolutely right. And, 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 you know, the perishable uh, life, shelf life, it's perishable data and the shelf life of data is going down uh, dramatically and uh, the volume is increasing. So without speed, you are going to be done. You know what I mean? And um, it's, uh, it's a very interesting world that we live in. And, uh, and I'm so lucky that uh, you and I get to uh, live in the data space. It's, uh, it's very, very interesting. Well, let's get back to this idea of a purpose-built versus all-purpose. I just, I kind of like frame it that way um, in, you know, in, in simple terms, um, because uh, one of the, uh, one of the, you know, one of the uh, pitches with the, with the purpose-built databases is that they give you performance for, for certain types of uh, workloads. Um, so, uh, so it, it could easily be the case, though, that, uh, and, and I think you, you alluded to this a, a little bit earlier, Raj, uh, that um, you could end up with five, six, or more different database platforms, depending on what, what workloads you have. So you kind of get this like performance versus um, sprawl um, challenge. So, so where I want to so I'd like to get your point of view on this, that, you know, um, because we see so much activity in purpose-built databases. I, I mean, uh, uh, every week I see, I, I see new ones being announced. So how do you answer this trend of these purpose, these uh, high-performing purpose-built databases? Is single store um, complementary to them or an, uh, an alternative to them or both? 
Yeah, I think we are complementary to most, depending on what purpose you serve, right? If you're a graph database, we do not have graph capabilities, so you're complementary to us. But if you're a document-centric database, like Mongo is, or Couchbase is, or Datastax is, uh, we actually don't think that that is a speciality that the world needs. You can use, you know, most of that uh, functionality with us. Uh, so at that, in that stage, we are, um, yeah, we are instead of, right? So either or. Now, I know that, you know, as they say, never talk about your business as we are the Uber of, or we are the iPhone of, I get that. However, you know, I, I think you would remember the time, uh, I love photography, right? And I have kids and I, you know, I used to love, I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars on beautiful cameras. And they're actually a lot better than the camera I have even on my latest iPhone. But I very seldom carry my camera anymore. It is a speciality thing which works beautifully, all right? However, the convenience of having this in my back pocket and it doing 85% of what I need, all right, is just outweighs the built for purpose nature of a camera or a, you know, I'm sure you had those uh, video uh, cams, right? We have about 20 of them lying around at the house now, right? Never used, right? Yeah, you keep them in a box, you keep them in a box, uh, you know, in a closet, right? Exactly right, and um, and 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 here is the point. I've, I've got four kids, and I you'd wonder where this uh, conversation is going. But the oldest, nineteen; the youngest is you know five. And the amount of film that we have on our five-year-old versus our nineteen-year-old is a factor of twenty. All right. So the point I'm trying to make is, it's just the fact that data is also growing at that speed. The difference between my nineteen-year-old and my five-year-old that my ability to take out my camera and take pictures of my five-year-old and be able to cope with how many moments I want to capture is just not going to work, right? So now, does that mean that for my daughter's wedding, I would be using an iPhone to take the film? Probably not. So yeah, there will be a thin sliver of the market which is you know, purpose-built and people would use it. But here is the... Then it is a financial viability question that comes into play, John, right? Uh, we are for-profit business, right? Database is a dog-eat-dog -dog world, highly competitive. Companies can get to 10, 20, 30, even $40 million of revenue collecting logos, right? Citibank has 87 database companies that call Citibank their, you know, that their user, right? Whether it's 87 or 65 or you know, 40, I, you, know, you, you get the point. Now, over the next five years, Citibank will spend, as I said, or any large organization, I should stop saying Citibank's just one of our favorite customers, um, will, will spend 95% of their database dollars on three companies. The rest of the 5% might be spread over 10, 15, 20 databases. We want to be the top three. We don't want to be that long tail because the long tail will not be a financially viable, independent business in our humble opinion. Yeah, well, okay. So that, so that speaks to my question about purpose-built 
versus all purpose. Now let's talk about database sprawl because um, I, you know, I, you mentioned earlier, you know, uh, solve complexity by creating more complexity. Um, and I think it's, it's been true in, in my career covering enter, enterprise environments that there continues to be a lot of complexity, right? Um, and uh, with that uh, comes all kinds of different challenges, you know, talent, cost, um, you know, um, architecture, and the list goes on. So um, I, I'm, I guess maybe you could spend a minute or so on this idea of the single store model um, being a way to address uh, uh, the data sprawl. Yeah, uh, and, and I think the complexity that the database sprawl, which just for the listeners who might not be familiar with the database sprawl concept, is just organizations having a sprawl of databases uh, that they use to build applications, thereby you know having a lot of risk involved, a lot of data movement, a lot of ETL and all the rest of it, right? Now, there is a very, um, there is a nuance about the database business, John, which I think you would agree with me on. I guess I'm making it very hard for you not to agree now, but- We'll, uh, we'll see where you're going with this. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, we are one of the unique um, segments of the enterprise software where the a, a, um, a architect or a database architect, administrator, DBA, identifies not uh, by domain, but by vendor, right? I'm an Oracle DBA, I'm a Mongo DBA, I'm a Couchbase DBA, or, you know? So they essentially have the vendor in their, almost their title, all right? Now, if you have X number of databases, right? you would have X number of independent teams that are working on that, you know, I, I won't say little or big, but that database per se. So if a organization has called it 30 databases, it will have 30 independent teams that are working on 30 different databases, unlike cybersecurity for that matter. Now, whether I'm using CrowdStrike or you know, Zscaler or Palo Alto Network, right? I could have a security team that sort of oscillates between the three, right? That is one of the reasons why this database sprawl has a nuance to it like none other, all right? And that's why organizations are saying, not only is it more expensive by way of the risk that the application has, by the lack of, uh, you know, or, or the latency that it adds because of multiple databases. Not only is it bad because of a lot of data going to and fro, a lot of points of failure, but it's just way too expensive to manage by, by way of manpower. And also, if a key member of any one of my 30 team leaves, my risk profile just goes through the roof, right? So, look, the fact is this convergence of databases is a foregone conclusion in my opinion, <laughs> right? Naturally, there will be a lot of noise uh, in the market for the next couple of years, but uh, you know, I am fairly confident 
that uh, there would be a massive consolidation in the database space. And the third era of databases would be what I said, ultra fast, multi-model distributed SQL and real-time applications for modern applications. Now, uh, Raj, uh, it, so, um, hey, look, I, I believe that there has to be, um, you know, kind of a rationalization here of these, uh, uh, these sprawling data estates. I guess my question, my next question would be, where are we on, on you know, in moving this direction? At early stages, uh, are you seeing, um, you, know, uh, you know, businesses kind of um, making this a priority now? Uh, I would provide some empirical evidence. So the short answer is absolutely yes, vehemently yes. All right. And sort of the trend that, uh, you know, you should look into, by the way, you know, I, I was, uh, was reading an article about these trends and how these unique things actually provide a perspective on trends. It was, I think, Alan Greenspan saying that he knows the recession is coming because the sale of men underwear is down. And that's been the biggest indicator of recession uh, in, in, uh, in previous times. Now, similar trend that you start to see is two years ago, if you went on LinkedIn, John, and you typed chief data officer, you'd probably get 500 responses back. Now you go type chief data officer, you'll get about 25 to 30,000, right? Sometimes a chief data officer is not working in the office of the CIO, but directly to the COO or even the CEO. They are there not to maintain the infrastructure, which is now the domain of the CIO, right? But to be the most efficient and optimized um, version of their data estate. All right, or help build the most optimized version of their data estate. And they start by saying, how do I reduce the complexity so that I can get responsiveness from the data estate, all right? And one of the first things that they are talking about is a simplification of the architecture, all right? And by the way, we can second guess people who created this complexity. What option did they have? It was just the way change happened. You know, you're going from a DB2 to a modern database. You aren't going to do it in a month. You had to sort of band-aid the existing database for a few years and then make a switch. All right. So I, for one, don't know of a single organization. We've got 250 customers, over 250 customers, which is not looking at simplification of their data estates. And as part of that simplification is the rationalization of the technologies that they use. And as part of that, the first thing that they look at is how many databases am I you know, using to build an application, which is a revenue generating customer satisfaction related application? Um, and how good do I feel about its uh, viability into the future? Raj, you know, one of um, my favorite things to uh, to to talk about and uh, along these lines is um, and I wrote about it recently uh, did a blog post on it is uh, the Carnegie Mellon's database of databases mm -hmm. now 
that is a list of 800 different database management systems that are out there in the world. And that list continues to grow. Um, so I just mentioned that because in the context that we've been talking about, um, so many choices, um, so many deployments for you know, emerging applications, um, this complexity will in fact become added complexity unless uh, CIOs um, and development teams um, prioritize what we're talking about here, kind of uh, simplifying this, you know, uh, reeling in the sprawl. Um, yeah, Raj, now I, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say it's ultimately going to be a risk reward for do I want to add a 30% risk for a 5% performance gain? Probably not, right? Mm -hmm. uh, do I want to add, you know, so it's, it's trade-offs, right? Puts and takes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I do think that uh, alongside that would be a few of our vendors actually coming to a place where um, the puts and takes are, uh, are almost neutral right between purpose built um, and 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 us um, and that's where that's where this world is ultimately going to go in my in my view at least now Roger I, I want to switch gears a, a little bit here as we as we kind of wind down this conversation um, we've been talking a lot about the technology I want to talk about the people um, I think I did. I see that you did a blog post recently on the future of work, yeah. and um, I, I also noticed that you you've talked a bit about um, this idea of not just salary packages but experience packages. I think it it kind of like all kind of fits under the umbrella of the the changing workplace, right? Uh, coming out, uh, you know, and, and now that we're a full two years into this this pandemic, so much has changed. Um, so I just wanted to ask you about that because I, I know it's something that you've been thinking about. Yeah, um, I, I guess the question really is, how do I see the workplace uh, of the present? How has it changed? And what do I see uh, are the long lasting changes and what are probably um, just uh, temporary. Is that probably the right way to phrase the? the yeah, yeah I, I would say so, especially since you know you, you know you have uh, your own organization to manage, um, growing organization. Uh, so, um, and and you know employees are very sensitive to all this stuff now. So how you know so yeah so like going forward you know looking ahead. What are the key things here that you know business leaders like yourself um, need to be thinking about? Yeah, um, and I think there are you know I, I almost compartmentalize a few of these things. Right, the first is the entire concept of hybrid work, remote work, which became a lot more prominent because of COVID, right? Because of health reasons, etc. I do think that there always was a lot of flexibility, especially in the valley um, of uh, and in the tech world that employees had. Yeah, we forever, I mean, maybe even 15 years ago, had some percentage of our employees who were not close to an office and worked remote, yeah? Now the technologies weren't as good as they are right now with the Zoom and the Google Meets and you know what have you. So, you know, it was uh, call-ins and all the rest of it, but I think the remote work is here to stay. There is absolutely 
no if and and buts about it right um, and um, there are a lot of organizations which have gone remote only which have gone remote first uh, we have uh, beautiful offices for a company our size we think that offices uh, can provide our employees with an environment for collaboration for um, for actually doing stuff uh, and having fun really right and uh, so we've actually opened our offices since june of last year and we were among the first to have offices open however we never forced our employees to come to work we had uh, probably the best in class um, not only hygiene factors but controls in place so that everyone who came in uh, saw it as a very safe environment to work in right we followed all the guidelines and for a company our size that was a lot of overhead however we decided that we will provide a option to our employees if they wanted to come in now um, you know what is unbelievable to us john is not once have we said you have to be at work but the vast majority of our employees who are close to an office at least come to work between 3 to 4 times a week because they want that social connection as well you know so we have not struggled with getting people to work or not or or to offices or not work of course right uh, in fact uh, you know people come in there there is there are so many good things happening boba walks and you know they all just go out at 3 o'clock you know get a boba and walk around and talk uh, we've got this beer trolley thing that we do in raleigh so so things are coming back that need for social connection through face to face meetings uh, is something that we are seeing happening to us Uh, there is another aspect to it which is this great resignation which is what i um, you know sort of wrote about in my blog uh, which is uh, people wanting to do something different right um, you know just finding that their calling in life was to be a, i use an example of a friend who said i want to be outdoors i want to be into physical fitness why should i live in california i'm going to go to montana and he's you know he the couple are extremely happy but they have just done a complete 180 to their busy lives uh, to moving to montana buying a big ranch and having that lifestyle and i'm really happy for them all right and i applaud people who find their purpose and follow their purpose right now um, there are whatever it is you know uh, 11 million job openings in america and only 6 million unemployed right so there is a you know more jobs than than people that are employable so that makes the job market extremely competitive right however i do think that if someone is going to join you for cash then they leave you for cash and uh, that is not something that i subscribe to right we would pay you uh, you know good <laughs> uh, rewards uh, right for your effort however i cannot compensate your lack of purpose with cash you have to bring your purpose to work and that has to get aligned to the purpose of the organization as and as long as this is aligned compensation will not be an issue that is how i lens this great resignation right um 
do people use this uh, some some of them use this to see how how much money can they make in the short term all right sure they do right they're just not uh, they're just not the people we want to attract so we've not had a issue hiring uh, retention has not been an issue uh, for us um, and that is because uh, most of our hiring is referred hiring by people who come in who have a great time experience the culture at single store uh, which is uh, you know high accountability uh, getting to do uh, stuff that they never get to do in a you know snowflake or a facebook or a google all right and uh, and it's uh, it's it's just uh, they find it rewarding and what we call we offer them a growth platform where it's okay to be you know to be vulnerable when you are stressed and get out of your comfort zone because you're enveloped with a culture of nurture and love and that's what we are focusing on and uh, i i do think that the talent that is emerging um, in the years to come is going to be a lot more talented than john you and i ever were the average intelligence um, in in the world the iq in the world is increasing by 4.8% annually so that essentially means that uh, 136 iq which is borderline genius right is going to become the average iq so as to speak of most of the uh, information workers in the next 10 years right so the kind of talent that is coming in is phenomenal i do think that the talent with purpose is uh, is the one that is going to be the 100x uh, talent for every organization and that's what we look for all right so raj um this gets to that question that i that i posed about experience right versus you know just a pure compensation package um and you know who can disagree with what you just said i mean it's so it's it's going to be so important um going forward because uh, expectations have changed across the board um i see that in my own in my own family in my own home So um okay well this has been a great conversation let me just kind of kind of bring it in for a landing um with a question about you know kind of like what's next for single store what should we be watching for in the months ahead and and I'll let you put a time frame on it whether it's you know uh you know the you know during this year or, or whatever like what's what's top of mind or what are priorities that you're working on right now yeah you know i am a I'm ruthless at prioritization uh, in my own personal life otherwise you end up doing spending 80% of your time doing stuff that you aren't convinced is the right thing for you to do um you know from a product perspective uh, we are focusing on two things one is frictionless which is a developer um, experience and we are talking about a consumable um you know platform which works as a utility right and we are seeing that that is what our customers want from us to get started very quickly in a frictionless manner and then pay for what they consume right and uh, we are already there for the most part on the consumption model and um, and the frictionless is a evolving journey and we see frictionless in really three uh, aspects one is you know back end as a service uh, the other is you know migrating tools and serverless and the third just being the experience and the ui and all the rest of it so those are three things that we are working on um as uh, as one of the steps towards that not only have we separated uh, you know 
compute and storage, but we have also separated compute and compute, uh, which is something that we would be releasing in the June timeframe, where you can run analytics on one stream on the same set of data, and on the same set of data run transactions. So you can have your screen divided into two, where on the same set of data you're running transactions and uh, analytics, um, again, happening at the same, uh, same time. No other platform that we know of does that. And then you can keep adding, you know, sort of uh, uh, data uh, sources to it and see how the analytics change with, you know, addition of every, uh, every data source and be able to do deeper analysis in real time, right? So that, that is something that I'm superbly excited about. Uh, the consumption model where you can actually, um, you know, of course, it's uh, table stakes in terms of elasticity, how you can bring it up, bring it down. Uh, serverless where you can get started immediately is expected uh, at the end of the year. Um, and, and the big thing that uh, we have always been talking about is uh, the convergence of OLAP and OLTP into one platform with system of record functionality like Active Active and Two-Face Commit, which again, um, is something that uh, we should be um, releasing at the end of the year. So with system of record, 100% com uh, compliance to system of record uh, with a consumption-based model, uh, with a frictionless developer experience, and most importantly, our three-tier uh, storage structure, which makes us ultra-fast and ultra-economical at the same time, right? Because of memory, disk, and object store. Um, you know, we we are very, very optimistic about our future. And uh, I've just hired a great team uh, to lead our product and engineering. Uh, Sharish Tota from Microsoft and Yatharth Gupta, manager engineering our, and our product. And both of them are uniquely, uniquely qualified to lead uh, the next chapter of our growth. Um, and uh, they are reporting directly to me now. So I'm getting a lot closer to the product um, going forward. Um, I'm superbly excited about it. And uh, as, a, as an entity uh, single store, uh, we would probably double the size of our employees. So we are about 370. We should end uh, next year at not quite double, but about 650 employees around the globe. Um, when I got here about three years ago, we were only an American entity. We've got 11 entities around the world now. Uh, but most importantly, we, we would determine our success by how much of an impact we've had in our customers' day-to-day -day life. And uh, we are beginning to see large eight-figure deals coming our way because, and we are becoming the dominant database in Fortune 100 companies, not even the top three, but like the top database there. Um, and uh, we'd like to, um, like to see our customers benefit from the technology that we put together um, over the last decade or so um, and continue to add value to them. Well, Raj, um, uh, you know, best of luck with all of that. I mean, those are some big um, ambitious uh, goals that you've just outlined. I think, I think you used the term audacious uh, last, last time we talked months ago. Um, so I can see uh, that single store is still, you know, uh, growing um, and, um, and, and aiming for, for bigger and better things. Um, and we'll be watching, you know, uh, I, I, I certainly will. And um, I did a blog post uh, just the other day when you um, added the new uh, le uh, leaders to your team on the engineering side. 
Um, so um, well done there. I, I think that's a good point to end on here. Um, it's been a great conversation as always with you. Um, so best of luck to single store on the path of head, uh, path ahead, uh, Raj. Thank you, John. Uh, it's, it's so much fun talking to you uh, as always. Uh, thanks for your partnership and, um, and, and thanks for your leadership that you provide to the data space per se. I think, uh, your commentary on it is, uh, is uh, very, very interesting and very well informed. So um, as a student of the data space, we owe you a lot of gratitude. So thank you very much and stay safe and well. Well, that's kind of you. Thank you so much. Uh, that's it for this edition of the Cloud Database Report podcast. I want to thank my guest, Single Store CEO, Raj Verma, and remind everyone that you can find the Cloud Database Report and this podcast on Substack, as well as on your favorite podcast channels. Thanks, everyone.